Nathan thought he and I should change ties. He could give me his tie since we're wearing the same clothes today. Just scene change. My, Nolan used to always think Nathan was his dad. Uh, just in public, he would see me and like, Dad, nope, and he'd run. Um, anyway, I have. Uh, I, I don't know if you have messed up this week, but I'm not going to make you raise your hand. But have you, just internally, have you messed up this week? And how do you define it? What is messing up? Um, don't look at people, Blair. <laughs> messed up just now. But have you messed up? I think we have. I have. Um, but I'm pretty good, and maybe you are too, at sort of ignoring when I do. Just, I let that roll off my back. It's probably not healthy all the time, and there's probably times that it is healthy, but pretty good at just going, well, I messed up. But then other times, I'm awful at it. And I let it sit on me as if, like, I'm never going to be okay with what I just did. I'm never going to be okay with how I, how I just messed up. I'm never going to be fine with that. There are moments in my life, and maybe you have these too, there's moments in my life I can't look square in the eyes. That it just brings shame. Where I should have said something. I shouldn't have said something. I, I shouldn't have done that. I should have come clean. I should, over and over, there, there's moments in my life where when I, when I think of them, only feel shame. And you have enough of those moments that can just become this low rumble. And maybe you're going through one of those times where you know in, in 10 years you're going to look back at this day and realize, man, I'm, a, I'm ashamed of how I acted. But you just can't shake it. That gets in and eats at me. Can't look them in the eyes. What's even worse is whenever some, there's, there's somebody else involved in your shame moment. And you hope to never run into that person ever again. We, uh, when, when I worked at McDonald's last year, there was a, uh, it was a long time when I was in high school. On July 4th weekend, we worked in the, I worked at McDonald's in the summer in between school. On July 4th weekend, when people were traveling through, those were the worst, not customers, human beings in the world were the people who were just traveling through your McDonald's. The people who showed up every day, we had one guy who just walked in and did this, which meant two burritos every time. And then his doctor told him to cut back, and it was. <laughs> but the, the people who showed up every day knew that they would see you tomorrow, so they have to be nice to you today. 
But the people who are just passing through, and I get it. They've been in their cars, and this was back before we had DVD players in cars. You had to put that CD in that you've heard a thousand times. Animal had four ducks, four birds, just an awful CD. That was way better than y'all thought it would be, wasn't it? I've heard that song and sang that song, and the like. There, I know that their their nerves are frazzled. They're struggling. They just want they just want their kids for a second to be quiet or gone. Just one of those two. Just like out of the room. Just get just go away for a second. I'll see you in a second. That's why they took them to McDonald's. They wanted to throw them into the flu-infested ball pit they had there. And they, but they, they will feel no shame. Because there's nobody connected to it. They're going to come in and gripe at us and treat us like, like dirt. The employees. Because they, I'll never see you again. There's people in my life I never want to see again. There's memories in my life I never want to see again. I don't want to think about. I don't want to look them in the eyes. And that sort of guilt, that sort of shame, especially when onlookers are agreeing with you that I am ashamed and I should be. And everyone agrees. And Paul's in an interesting situation at the very end of his life where he's in prison. He is in prison, and in that prison, the world, outside of that prison, the world is talking about him, at least the Christian world. And it seems as though, by the way he words some of his letters, that the world outside is a kind of ashamed that... They're connected to this Paul guy because he's in prison. You don't want to be in prison. The world outside thinks Paul might have just gone a little too far. He might have said just a little too much. He might have been just a little too bold. And so when someone says, hey... Aren't you with Paul? They would say, no, no. People have abandoned him. Jesus knows how this feels. Doesn't he? Even the Messiah, once the handcuffs were on, the disciples abandoned him. We are so afraid to be connected to shame of any kind, and rightfully so, it is dangerous and painful. Paul is being kicked out of his group. He is being looked down upon. And in his final letter, one he writes to a friend. He says something fantastic some have departed from these these uh, principles and have turned to meaningless talk oh this is first timothy good night 
Hey, type in, go to the Bible and type in 2 Timothy 6 through 12. I'm telling that to Corbin. You're like, I'm going to type in my Bible. Thank you. Ta-da. Yes, Corbin is fantastic. Um, For this reason, he says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you, the laying on of my hands for the spirit, or uh, which is in you through, bless you, through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not, go on, make us timid. The spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Like it doesn't make us afraid. And people were saying, maybe Paul said too much. I'm not timid. Throw me in jail. We're going to say what needs to be said. Now notice, he said what needed to be said through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, You don't always get to just say what needs to be said because you think it needs to be said. That That makes some people a jerk. But the, the, the spirit God gives us doesn't make us, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And then he says, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. He's not Rome's prisoner. He's, he's God's prisoner. Says, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed. It has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then in, in verse 12, well, verse 11, and of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet, this is no cause for shame. Why am I suffering the way I am? Because the gospel is real. And Paul, in a situation where he might feel like, man, maybe I did say something I shouldn't. Maybe I did say, maybe I went too far. Never feels that once. Because the gospel is worth being put in prison. The gospel is worth being spoken down to. The gospel is worth being thought of differently. And we saw that last week. He was just willing to get beaten for it. Maybe someone's getting beaten for it right now. (laughs) They are going at it. Fantastic. I'm glad they're having fun. Maybe y'all should go in there next week. (laughs) The, but the, the gospel, for Paul, when he writes Timothy and says, don't be ashamed on my account. I'm not ashamed. Why? As, as Lester mentioned, Paul, Paul did some awful things. He he wanted to kill people who followed Jesus. Put them in prison. He he, he went through... 
some of us don't even want to go like through the process of voting. It's tough. It's not worth the Snickers and the basket. I mean, do it if you want. But the but the, the like you have to. Well, I've got to go get my is my ID ready? Do I where do I go? It's 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 tough on our on our brains. And Paul went through red tape after red tape, going and getting letters signed so that he can go to other places and just so he can throw people in prison. Like, he was an organized persecutor of the church. He did it intentionally and consistently and effectively. And he says, of all the sinners, I was the worst. Well, then why does Paul not feel shame? Why does Paul not feel like he is just not worthy? Because I can tell you, I haven't, I haven't thrown anybody in prison against their will or, or that didn't deserve it. I haven't thrown anyone in prison. I haven't sought out certain groups and tried to kill them. I haven't held everyone's coats while they stoned a man. I have but I still feel a level of shame that is unhealthy and beats me down at times. And maybe you feel the same. I was raised to think, not by my parents really, but just by society and my church culture. I was raised to think that I've got to get it right, all the way right, or I've gotten it all the way wrong. And so every little sin was just a burden on my salvation. And a burden my salvation could not bear. And so we had to ask for forgiveness all the time. Don't go to bed without asking for forgiveness for all the sins you may have committed because what if Jesus comes back and you haven't asked for forgiveness and there wasn't this contract, contract that you fulfilled where I said, please forgive me, and then he forgave me, and then, then he's just waiting over and over again. Got to be forgiven, got to be forgiven. We, were, we, we needed forgiveness so much that we asked for it in the opening and the closing prayer. I mean, but people were in church. But just in case. We needed, we needed, we, we had this situation where God, where God was always disappointed in us. God was all, like we were just lowly. And you know, it is, uh, in those, a lot of you did not grow up in the church of Christ, so this will be kind of foreign to you, but I want to kind of give you a glimpse into our psyche. Maybe, maybe your particular tradition uh, dealt with this well, dealt with this too. But we were certain. We were the only ones going to heaven. But we weren't certain that we were going to heaven. That's true, ain't it? We were certain we were the only ones going to heaven, but we weren't sure about us either. It was either going to be just us or nobody. It doesn't even make sense when you think about it. But we weren't sure about ourselves. 
And we, by our standards, were getting it all pretty right. At least the stuff we were supposed to get right. But so many of us laid on our deathbeds. I've seen so many people who lay on their deathbeds and say, I'm not even sure. Because we we know deep down that we didn't get it right. We know deep down that we didn't say all the right things, that we didn't do all the good things, we didn't abstain from all the wrong things. We know we didn't get it right. We have shame. We don't have salvation. But Jesus' salvation is bigger than your shame. God is bigger than your guilt. Like You have that inside of you, but you can let it go. You can set it free. You can be set free from your shame from, by the salvation of Jesus Christ. That's the, only, that's the only way you can do it. That's the only thing I've found that even works. You know what doesn't work? I'm going to try to be better. Now, I can get better. I can practice. Spiritual, spiritual disciplines are disciplines for a reason. But it doesn't make me feel any better about when I failed. It doesn't make me feel any better about when I forgot to put God first, to love my neighbor. It doesn't make me feel any better. See, when, when I was in high school, I thought I was funny. Turns out I was probably just a jerk. I look back on things and think, oh, I, I probably shouldn't have said that. I was just trying to be funny. But if no one laughs, it ain't funny. It's just mean. And I, can, I can feel such shame if I don't have the salvation of Jesus. See, grace, grace doesn't just free you up so that you can go to heaven. Grace frees you up so you can live a heavenly life now. It's nothing, it's, it, 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 they're not separate. I mean, we're not, we're not saying, well, see, so live your best life now, be healthy and wealthy and wise. That ain't happening. But grace brings the kingdom of God to me. Grace lets me live freely and say, I, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Of Christ. When Paul says that over and over again throughout his letters, he's not saying, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to say it. What he's saying is, there are people who are trying to shame me even though I've got the gospel and I'm not ashamed of it. And so in our life, when we feel shame, it means we've got to let Jesus in and deal with that. We've got to let the Spirit in to deal with that. Because you can, you can feel conviction. You can feel uh, hope for your future. You can have, there can be regrets. You can learn from your mistakes. But if you wallow in your shame, Satan's got you right there. Dead to rights. You, that's, that's how we cycle in our sin, right? You sin, 
and then you feel ashamed and you just want the feeling of shame to go away. But the thing we do to get the shame to go away is we sin again. We want to numb it. And that cycle is eventually going to lead you to a place that is unhealthy. Not eventually, quickly. It's going to lead you to a place that is unhealthy. The way you stop sinning is you find grace. Not legalism or, um, or perfection. Is you find grace. The only way to stop, to, to be sinless is to belong to the one who was. And your shame is no match for the salvation of Jesus. Your guilt is no contest against our God. You, you will overcome. But you have to overcome with Jesus. You're not going to be able to try harder. You're not going to be able to do better. You're not going to be able to work at it. Unless unless at the very beginning you say, God, I am yours. I am willing to be defined not by my mistakes, but on what Jesus has done for me. And you know what that makes me feel? That makes me feel special. It doesn't make me feel shameful. When I'm invited into the kingdom of God, when I'm invited to the throne of God, whenever I'm invited um, to, to walk out of the grave with Jesus, I don't at that point go, oh, but I'm worthless. Not according to the one who called me. Not according to the one who who brought me out of the grave, who brought me out of sin, who sacrificed his son for me. For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. God loves you unconditionally. And so when you wallow in your shame, this is not the way he, that's not how he wants you to be. He wants you at the cross and at the empty tomb and at the throne of God to realize that you are special that you are loved, that grace is for you and it's, and it's big. It's real big. That forgiveness is for you and it's for all the sins. Well, you don't know what I did. You're right, I don't. But I know what Jesus did. And forgiveness is for you. Salvation is for you. Love is for you. I don't deserve it. God thinks you did. Don't get to that point where you think, well, I'm just a worthless, worthy little... No, God God thinks pretty great things of you. Because God didn't just call you to salvation. God called you to service in His kingdom. He didn't just pull you out of the ditch. He put you on the team. And that means more. That means God doesn't... God, it's like when, when Peter comes to Jesus and after Peter has denied Jesus. And Jesus says, do you love me? He says, yeah, you know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. He's not just letting Peter back in. He's putting him in charge. 
all throughout John, God has been saying, uh, God is, Jesus has been saying, I am the shepherd, I am the gate, which is a way of saying, I do the things shepherds do. He is claiming that he's the leader. And now Peter, the one who messed up, who feels shame, he's saying, you're it. Feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. You're not just saved, you're commissioned. That means God thinks something of you. And that the worst spot for you to be is ashamed, and disconnected from the love and grace of God. I don't know I don't know why God loves us. But he does. That is a fact. And it's a fact that can affect your whole life, your Mondays. God loves me. Your Thursdays God loves me. Those moments when you, you're, you're right just this side of sin. God loves you right there. What about 30 seconds a minute ago where I'm just a minute? God loves you right there. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, and it describes it as the perfect time. Just the right moment. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So if you want to commit your life to Jesus, there is no ramp you have to hit at full speed to do that. There's, no, uh, there's, there, there's nothing you have to work up to. Like, I've got to get to a certain place and then I'll give my life to Jesus. I've got to, you know, I've just got to... If, if I could get over this or that, if I could stop doing this or that, then I will give my life to Jesus. If I could somehow figure out in my head why that works, or I can intellectually wrap my mind around God, then I will give my life to Jesus. Jesus wants you where you sit with your doubts and shame and sins habits because Jesus knows he can change you through the spirit and he knows you're going to keep failing if you try to do it on your own Paul says I am not ashamed of the gospel and he tells Timothy don't you dare be ashamed on my behalf because it is in the gospel that we find grace and salvation and forgiveness you can't hold on to both. Let go of your shame. Grab hold of the Savior. Grab hold of salvation. Run with the grace of God. Be commissioned by the Savior. And let your whole life, bit by bit, be shaped into Something that you never thought it could be. If you need prayer, if you want to give your life to Jesus, today is the day. Be united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. And let him get to work on you.
Please come forward while we stand and sing.